Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to no. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend <laughs> that I don't right Hold now. it in. Hold and our current faves. And Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Into sports. 20 yards out, Earth to shoot. Don't oh! shoot! Oh, and get into the all-new OTV Sports app. I think when he apologizes to me, I probably will say hello to him. Yeah, no. Videos, sports news, live scores, interviews. If Abregas is going to come up to me in the street and give me some of a mouth that he would have given me on a football pitch, what do we get a slap? Plus exclusive content on the OTV Podcast Network. The biggest names in sports. Ready when you are. Search OTV Sports on your app store and download it now. The OTV Podcast Network. With Green Farm on the go. Snack smart with 100% natural protein-powered chicken bites. Now you're welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown, the podcast that looks at the stats, XG and performance of Celtic FC. It's been a wild few weeks in Scottish football. Rangers are now 19 point clear of Celtic in the table, having won the derby last weekend. And yet the team photographed at the side of a pool, having a few beers and enjoying themselves, were not the ones that were wearing blue and red. We're unfolding the derby and looking at what might be next for the club over the next 40 minutes or so. And to do that, I'm joined by Jico James and Alan Morrison. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year, Happy New Year, guys. So let's get straight into it then. Rangers won Celtic nil. Cal McGregor with an OG near Beton sent off on the 62nd minute. The general stats for this game, Celtic 49% possession, shots uh, 13 in total, 3 on target. Rangers 10 shots, 0 on target, which is actually quite funny since they won the game. <laughs> so where are we actually starting here? Alan, I'll let you go first. I, I suppose the general feeling going or coming out of this game was that the first half was pretty good, pretty decent, good performance. And then after the red card for near Beton, it all kind of fell apart. Yeah, I think I would qualify that. <laughs> I think the, fr- the first 20 minutes were very good, uh, maybe 16 minutes actually. Um, the, the, I think the diamond, which I think we're going to go on to talk about in more detail, uh, allowed uh, Celtic to control possession of the game. The midfield were very aggressive in their pressing. One of the benefits of a diamond formation is that um, it's easier to keep um, people physically um, connected to each other, so pressing becomes a lot simpler from a sort of movement communication perspective, and that, that worked very well. Uh, chances did come in that, that opening 20 minutes. Um, they weren't particularly great chances. In fact, the overall match XG was probably a lot closer than you would think. Uh, it maybe, I think it was 1.4 to 1.1 or something like that, I think, from my from my model, so so pretty close. After the after the 16, 20 minute mark, after they had a couple of chances in the box, Morelos scuffed a shot wide, Aribo had a shot. It was actually the game started to settle down into being pretty much a, a, a fairly uh, you know even game, frankly. And after half time, it was it was a 50-50 toin toss up to the sending off. In all honesty, um, 
And then I think what we saw then was the, you know, the, the goal, both the goal, well, the sending off, the goal, and then what happened in the aftermath would really be where I would have massive concerns because there we saw issues that have, we've seen over and over again, you know, this season. The fragility of the confidence, the confidence just evaporated as soon as there was any, um, you know, uh, as soon as bad stuff started to happen. Um, the, 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 the fullbacks, I think we need to talk, we can talk about them in the context of the diamond. But again, if you look at the, the sending off, um, the positioning is just all over the place in terms of the goal, in terms of the, um, the shape of the defence, as the ball's played over, over Laxalt's head to, to where Bitton was. Ayer's nowhere near him. The two centre-backs are not connected. The, the full-backs are, are not in position. Just, and, and actually, if you, look at, if you look at how that sending off um, uh, uh, was arrived at, Celtic actually had a free kick uh, in central midfield. Uh, they gave the ball to Laxalt. Laxalt once again gave it away. Um, incredible that he would give the ball away. Um, and, and the ball went back to McGregor. And as had happened since the first minute, McGregor took an absolute age to do anything with the ball. They were time wasting actually from the first minute. They were they were content to play for a draw, and 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 therefore, what is the excuse that the whole defence is out of shape when several you know tens of seconds later the ball was played down down the right wing and Beaton's left exposed. Beaton then panics. Um, he makes the challenge look a lot worse than it was by actually physically rugby tackling the guy. Um, in my view. This is where I think ex- the concept of expected goals would be a really useful one to introduce to referees. Because if you want to talk about, you know, probability of scoring from that position where Morales was running in on goal, yes, he would have had a clear run. But actually, from where he would likely have taken the shot, which is, you know, wide right in the box, he'd have had no more than a 10, 15% chance of scoring anyway. And you've got, you've got to think, do you send somebody off? Is that is that a high enough probability of scoring to send somebody off? And I'm not saying that because... It was Celtic. I think that's a general point, actually. If he yeah. was central, I think you would be a lot more concerned about that that particular challenge. But the fact remains that uh, it was a t- it was it was a f- systemic failure of the defence to be organised and, and to get into a shape, which we've seen so many times. And Bitton, who I think had been the best player on the park until that point, uh, you know, completely lost his head and just panicked. He absolutely panicked, which he, t- he tends to do once he realised he'd got the wrong side of Morelos, which is. His concentration, which we've seen time and time again uh, in, in big games, uh, failed him. After that, um, like you say, it, it was a bit of a shapeless mess. And I think that really comes down to lack of game management again. You know, after after Celtic's initial, um, as you said, we started pretty well. But the game was tapering away before the sending off. It was going nowhere in a game that we had to win. And, and the changes never came. Gerard made a change at halftime. I don't think Hadji was added a lot but he he at least stopped the issue that they had where Morelos and Roof were essentially duplicating their their respective roles had you at least provided more of a sort of 10 threat dropping into spaces picking the ball up um, at least he did something again the changes came too late and when they did came come they were completely incoherent in terms of what we were trying to do and you only need to look back to the, the sending off uh, of Seminovic uh, under Rogers and the introduction of Edward and how, how Rogers you know um, managed that game to win it to see a, a rather stark contrast with how the aftermath of the sending off was um, was managed. But overall, they can't believe they've won it because I, I honestly don't think they set out to win the game. They set out not to lose. Barisic and Tavernier barely crossed the halfway line. There was no very few overlapping runs. Uh, defensively, they, they basically their, their plan was to get the ball to their three forwards as quickly as possible and then then basically play from there and, and, and if they get something that's all well and good I can, they won't believe how easy that was for them yeah and I think going into the game as soon as I saw the starting lineup and I saw Beaton playing at centre half I immediately was a little bit weary of what could potentially unfold Celtic starting lineup in the game Barkas and Goal Frimpong Ayer Beaton Laxalt the diamond of Sorrow Turnbull Christie McGregor and Griffiths and Edouard up front I suppose my general idea of the game of how it went I the fullbacks again, the 
the output of them once they get into the final third is unbelievably frustrating. Uh, Sorrow, I think, got booked a little bit too early. I think that might have played into his second half performance and how much he got involved in the game. And then in general, just the shot taking the the idea that the Christie or McGregor might score a, a worldly from 30 yards seemed to be the only idea of where Celtic were actually going to get a goal. James, your general thoughts on how the game went before we get into the actual nitty gritty? Yeah, I have a, a little different take than Alan. Um, probably a lot different take, actually. So, which is good. This makes a show. Um, so, I I knew as much about the four four two diamond prior to about five weeks ago or four weeks ago, whenever that was, as I did, uh, you know, rocket science, which is to say nothing. Uh, as far as thinking about strategically, looking at it. Um, competitively relative to other systems. And I started doing what I usually do, which is, you know, listen to other people talk about it and I try to figure out what the consensus is. And then I go and run and do my little data thing and test things and try to learn. And I was shocked as to the level of consensus that this was a bad idea, which always perks up my contrarian streak. Um, and then I went and I started testing and I was like, okay, well, everyone says this is a dumb idea. You know, playing a, a diamond against a team that relies on their fullbacks because they're going to have open flanks. So I went and I tested it. And then I did a thread last week basically sharing what I looked at, which is that very few teams do play it, that the, they seem to follow the consensus. Uh, but that the ones that have played it have actually had pretty good success. So I was really optimistic going into the game because of number one, we've, you know, if the selection was good. Right. So, again, I think generally speaking, you know, you could quibble about this or that or the other thing. But generally speaking, I think the selection was pretty good relative to the system. Um, so I was really optimistic and I thought um, I would probably tilt a little because of that foundation. The reason I got into I went into that is because I think foundationally uh, Rangers probably underestimated their problems that they were going to have from the diamond. I mean, I think we probably imposed more on them than them settling. And uh, while the the outright chance creation, like the end product of where the shots came from, was not great, um, I you know again I documented this after the game. We had a lot of ball possession in dangerous areas in space with other players also in space. So uh, you know I've just I've gone through and done kind of a hypothetical, you know, if, if we have a couple of smart passes, just two, really, our XG could have been well over two, where we had players that were in positions of very high danger that made terrible decisions and could have played in other players to have basically a free run direct one-on-one -on -one with McGregor. So I, I think that, um, and, and, and Alan, I agree with Alan. I mean, most of that was in the first 22 minutes. Um, you know, it, it did, did kind of go to an equilibrium where I think we still, for the most part, dominated uh, the level of play in midfield. You know, we were counter pressing effectively and, you know, the, the shuttlers and Christie and McGregor were doing an excellent job. Um, so I, I would I would just probably say that I think we were more dominant than Allen's characterization uh, with ineptitude at the end, meaning that. I think it easily could have been kind of a two to three nothing kind of first half if we had had some better decisions made uh, and some positive variants. I mean, the the one McGregor save was, you know, a good save. I mean, that was on on uh, on, on Griffith's shot. That that was a good save. But the other ones were, you know, kind of standard. The other two were saves he should have made. Yeah, uh, and he dumped them right back out in front of the goal, and you know, it's I. Between those really three opportunities and then the other close to six that I documented that we could have easily had had better decisions been made and, and a few of them being very high quality, likely, you know, uh, all the rest. I mean, I, I agree 100 percent with Alan's characterizations and what he said post uh, post red card. Just, and, and, just, and and the, the only other thing I'll add real quick, Alan, is that yeah. I think. We, we blew the game plan on a substitutions basis before the red card. I mean, what the hell was Griffith still doing on the pitch? I, and I mean, under what 
scenario does anyone think that he's going to have a full tank after the first half in, in a system that's relying on active pressing, right? So to me, the problem with that began with Griffiths not getting over. And in the, in the first 20 minutes, he was able to do that. And actually, they were flipping around, too. It probably would have been Edouard in the first half covering uh, Tavernier there. But so, you know, why there wasn't a game plan to get somebody on or even I prep my preference would have been. And I talked to some people. I, I thought the game plan going in should have been because under, you know, having studied up on the diamond, how we were probably going to press. We needed the front three. And when I say front three, I mean, Turnbull was pushing up to basically press in the middle. We needed those people to be fit and fresh and have legs. And that is not Griffiths. So why there was not a plan to get him hooked after the first half or early in the second half. Again, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, he he actually had a lot more possession and he had a lot more of the chances than, than Edward, who actually Edward still finished the game with the highest expected scoring contribution of any player. He created three chances and had three shots. But Griffith Griffiths had the best chance, which was pure luck when Aribo tackled somebody and the yep. ball came to him in the box. That was actually the best chance in the whole game. Griffiths had a shot central that he put wide. And that was that. That was that was the best. It wasn't really a great chance because he was off balance and he was under pressure. But that was actually the best chance that we created. I take your point on the openings. Um, you're absolutely spot on in terms of the decision making. To 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 circle back to what you said and uh, to give you uh, some numbers around the fullbacks. I mean, Laxalt. He 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 gave away the ball 18 times in open play. 18 times from 37 attempted passes. 18 times. Um, but between himself and Frimpong, they were zero and eight on crosses. Both had a zero expected assists, and between them, they lost the ball thirteen times in the final third, without creating a single chance. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's one of the two. So the two most egregious opportunities that we blew. One was Frimpong. Just he had a, a wide open cross to Griffiths at the back post. I mean, and and, and I don't even, and again, the pitch was terrible, Uh, you know, seems to be something in uh, common between Ibrooks and Parkhead right now. They're both their pitches look like they're cow pastures. So who knows? I mean, he may have had trouble with, with something in that regard, but I mean, he flubbed it right to McGregor. Uh, You know, that would have been, you know, probably a, a 0.6 or higher XG opportunity if he puts that to Griffiths. I mean, he's wide open. And there's no one within, you know, seven to eight yards of him. I mean, it, it, if the cross is put where it should have been put, it's a goal, most likely. Um, and then the second one is Griffiths not playing through Edward uh, and taking the shot. The third minute, right? Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, I think it was Tavernier collapsed towards Griffiths and Edward is just standing there. And and to, what Alan, to Alan's point, it was Edward that played the ball wide to Frimpong when he flubbed that cross. So yeah, that, that doesn't, that doesn't show up on X. So it never got Edward in the game. I know he still ended up with the highest expected scoring contribution. Yeah. He completed six passes in the whole game. Yeah. Just, just couldn't get him in the game. Yeah. I, I didn't understand. I thought again, when I was doing my prep work for uh, work, you know, my re- review, looking at how we might play, I, I thought there was a lot of opportunity to get, to get up Edward um, wide left. Um, and, and I, you know, I kind of put out this argument. I mean, I, I don't know why we keep overlapping Laxalt because we know what's coming <laughs> as, as Alan just documented, uh, and why we didn't move Edward out there to create even more pressure on Tavernier. I mean, how many times have we seen Edward come from wide left and go one-on-one on Goldson? I mean, that's how the first shot happened. Basically. I mean, it wasn't quite wide, but I mean, he was coming off the left and that that's, clearly been his tendency and where his strengths lie. And he scored other goals against them doing that, including in the two, nothing at Ibrooks. So uh, when, when Johnson played him through, so, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, so I, you know, you can always uh, Monday morning quarterback, as we say in the U S and, uh, and uh, criticize uh, forensically decisions and rewrite history, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, the, the fullback play was predictably, terrible in the final third we've certainly talked about that enough so let's talk about the fall off between having 11 men on the pitch and having 10 men on the pitch we've touched on the beat on tackle already 
I think the referee's decision is more based on the fact that he absolutely did not try and get the ball. So there, there is that that comes into the new rule and the fact that maybe Ayer wasn't in a position where he was the last man back. It's not the rule, but generally that's the old school way of thinking. If he's the last man back and he makes no attempt for the ball, it's usually a red card. I think but, it was. I think it was central end. I would. I would agree. I, I. You know, when I listen to referees, say from England, for example, speak, and they talk about you know refereeing a game like that, a big game big audience, you know, importance to the title race. You really don't want to send, the attitude would be you don't want to send somebody off. Mm. Don't give me an excuse to send to send a player off. Madden, Madden didn't give himself any thinking time. He didn't consult. He couldn't get the red card out. Yeah, enough. well, that's what I was actually going to say. I was re-watching the highlights before we came on here and the red card was out immediately. There was no, there was no space for maybe he's not close enough to go for this to be a straight red card. But ultimately... You can't change it. It was a red card and it was given. So, Alan, what are the numbers saying before and after the game, the red card then? What, what, what noticeable difference was there? I think it just is sort of... Well, eventually we took off all, all four midfielders that were really what makes that diamond such an effective... And I will disagree with James on the efficacy of the diamond, and we can come to that maybe later. But uh, that, you know, that's predicated on those four individuals and, and their collective uh, and individual complementary strengths. And that that that, that was completely uh, that, you know, that, that all those players were taken off. Duffy came on and was, I mean, I I, I pretty much lost it. I think with Duffy now, he was abysmal. Um, it's just, and I feel for him because his confidence is clearly absolutely shot. Um, he sh- he actually probably could have been sent off, and I would I would say that was more of a red card. Yeah, absolutely. Than the one that uh, beat on on beat on, to be honest. And uh, you know, is is the way that he kind of couldn't he couldn't get rid of the ball quick enough on the edge of the box, and that that gave a shot away, uh, which was a quite a good chance actually. Late on, just just awful. Um, El Yunusi came on. And was abysmal. Gave the ball away continually. Completed one pass. He actually did okay in terms of you know pressing and challenging, which he's he's not bad at. Um, I just couldn't see what we were trying to achieve. I honestly don't know what what the thinking was around. You know, I, I understand the Duffy substitution, obviously, and I understand taking Griffiths off. But what happened after that? I don't. I just couldn't. I honestly I couldn't tell you what, what we were actually trying to achieve. So I don't think numbers, there was one. Yeah. I, I I think that's been the point the whole season, and you know, to a large degree in in uh, Lennon's tenure is um, if if he doesn't get the original setup right, the the in game management is just not good usually, and if it's in a high pressure environment, I mean, and it's too late. It's always too late. Well, not only too late, incoherent. I go back to my. My word of the season, incoherent. The, I, would I, mean, have had, I would have ending, had more respect and, if he'd stuck Duffy as centre forward and just and started playing long. At right. least that was a plan. At yeah. least that was an idea. Right. Something yeah, or, or to right. Work, I, I, work I, with, I, right? Agreed with you. Like I could even theoretically say, well, if you put, you know, if you put Mikey Johnson as the outside and you have Frimpong on the outside of the of the four, the middle four. You know, I, I can theoret. I mean, I, I don't like that, but I can theoretically see what they might be trying to do there, right? Or if you're going four three two, put a jetty in to play hold up, and play in Edward on on the counter. That would make sense. There's a, there's something going on there. But to end up with Scott Brown and Rogic as your two central midfielders, with Frimpong and Elianissi as your outside midfielders, what the hell are you doing? With 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 Edward being isolated, I mean, it, it was so incoherent. It was amazing. Like I, I, I would the the odds of ending up with those two guys in the central midfield. <laughs> what what would that? I mean, that would have been a billion to one before the game at any point. Yeah. Uh, regardless of whether you know under any scenario. Uh so I I think it goes back to Lennon's decision making, which is. You know, first order, first order thinking, you know, Rogic has won big games, <laughs> you know, he's scored some big goals in big games and I'll throw him on, you know, that to me, I think that's probably the level of decision making that we're dealing with. And that is so ridiculous. 
Yeah, I see. Th- this is where the issue comes in with Sorrow getting booked so early because I think if he's not booked in the second half, when once Beton gets sent off, there's a fairly easy decision to make there. You bring Duffy on for one of the strikers. You uh, drop Duffy into a back four. You go four four two. You keep Sorrow. Cal McGregor in centre midfield, Christie and um, say Mikey Johnson if he comes on and then Edward up front by himself. It's a fairly easy fix. But the fact that Sorrow was booked, you can't get another person booked if he's going to be a defensive midfielder. So there's an issue there. You have to take him off. And if you're taking him off, then you have to bring someone else on. So that's there's a lot of moving plates here, but it ultimately... <laughs> None of them really worked, and I do agree with you. So I don't think there was much real thought behind any of the substitutions in terms well, of the defensive. Let, let, me, let me just cap off two, uh, you know, the uh, the icing on the cake. So we had no set piece takers. We were down to our fourth set piece taker, right? So he, our 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 third best one, Christie, was taken off, <laughs> uh, uh, and then we, we threw Duffy up you know, 1985 style as a striker and lumping it into him with no one that can cross the ball and playing it long. I mean, I, again, just amazing, amazing. Those last 30 minutes were absolutely amazing and not in a good way. (laughs) So, Alan, I know you actually have all of your numbers done from this game. You've rewatched them. So how bad are they? I don't think they're they're bad. I think um, a couple of things I would point out to, to counterbalance because people tend to fixate on one or two incidents. So we've talked about Laxalt. There's a lot to like about Laxalt, right? And, and to, to, you know, but really his instructions should be, he's got, you know, essentially four number 10s that he's playing with. Just give the ball to one of those guys. That's all you need to do. Don't try and cross it. Don't try and play, you know, fancy diagonals. You know, you don't have the ability to do it. The, 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 the numbers are there. But what he does do is, you know, he, he's, he's a good defender uh, in terms of uh, his aggression. And, and he actually won 14 challenges. He won possession back 11 times. Um, you know, that, 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 that is actually probably what you want if you're going to focus your creativity in the diamond through those uh, four midfielders and then Edward, I'm, I would say, is a proxy for a ten. Then you, you know you don't necessarily need your fullback to be creative, providing he, he, he can get the ball up and down, he can cover, which he can do. He's very athletic and he's doing his job defensively, which he does exceptionally well. And there was a lot of criticism for Christie again, mainly because of his attacking choices. Um, Christie's not actually is the one midfielder that's not benefited from this switch to a diamond his numbers are pretty much the same as they were before is what I'm saying but what he what he did do uh, on uh, the weekend was he was actually very um, very very uh, um, responsible defensively and I know his attacking output was poor but of all the midfielders he was packed the least number of times he was taken out of the game with passes only seven times all the other midfielders were into double figures because he was he was covering Frimpong constantly and he had the best defensive action success rate of all the midfielders. It was around mid-50s towards 60%, so sort of brown numbers in terms of the challenges that he was winning. So Christie did a lot of the dirty stuff. He did a lot of the covering. He did a lot of responsible work off the ball, I think, that people maybe didn't spot on the day, where people were really, con- really focusing on the shots he had at the end of the first half in terms of blazing over from 35 yards. And I completely get that. We know that's an issue. Him and Encham have got you know, expected shots per expected goals per shot is like way below 0.1. You know, it's it's terrible. <laughs> and, but 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 I think I think we do need to recognise you know the work that he did put in and having Christie in a diamond as that as one of those eights is a tremendously good idea because of that work rate because of his defensive strength because of his ability to cover. Uh, you know, so I think we need to not not as I say throw the baby out with the bathwater in terms of the aftermath of this game. I see. I, Sorry, James. Go ahead. No, I was just. I, I agree a hundred percent with Alan on that. I, I thought Christie's uh, play was was excellent in that regard, uh, and and um, that's been the case in the other games where he's played in the diamond. There, I mean, I, he, he's. If you look again, if it was heat map, for example, he's been much more um, focused in in his role. Um, it's partly why I've been advocating the. 
because I think it highlights most of his benefits, you know, what most of his strengths and channels them productively, you know, his work rate, his aggression and tackling, um, uh, his, his engine. I mean, he's pretty fast when he gets, and, he, and he's persistent in that speed. Uh, and it gets him out of more. I mean, he had two horrible shots. That's an improvement, <laughs> right? When he's been at right wing or at more the pen. <laughs> it's usually more than yeah, two. Yeah, it's usually six. Yeah, it's, he usually takes, you know, six shots and five of them are bad. Um, so that, you know, I, I, I think he, um, is, is maybe not ideal for that role, but I think it's a much better role for him than how we've used him, mm -hmm. uh, in, in the past. So I've seen a lot of people absolutely slaughter, um, spark ass in goal because obviously it, it fits the narrative, um, but we, we've spoken about goalkeepers before. What was the XG for the goal? For Barca's saving that, well, there isn't one because it wasn't yeah. a shot. Okay, yeah. it's as simple yeah. as that. It's not a shot. It's zero. <laughs> the ball, yeah. the you know, Rebo's tried to flick it on, and it hits McGregor in the top of the arm. The problem, actually, incredibly, and I don't know who was whispering in his ear, but Chris Boyd actually called it spot on. What what happened was um, Edward was guarding the front post, and as the ball came over, Edward, perhaps thinking, anticipating that he could get the ball, moved away from the front post area. And this 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 caused uh, Barkas some consternation. So because he could see the ball coming into the front post area, he went. Barkas took a step to guard his front post area because if that ball had gone in at the front post, there was there was nobody there. Mm -hmm. And then of course the ball looped off McGregor and went to the back post, and it looked like Barkas was too far over. Barkas was trying to um, really cover for Edward's unexpected movement. But to me, again, that's systemic of you know people not knowing their jobs at the corner. Or, 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 or maybe, maybe, maybe Edward made a mistake. Maybe he did know his job, but it, it just hints at you know a lack of organisation around that whole setup for that set piece. The, the, I, I'm going to say this, and, and you know, for the people listening, I'm absolutely fucking sick of this vendetta against Barkas. You know, I really am. The guy's literally done nothing, nothing wrong. We showed quite clearly in, in an earlier show that he's pretty much conceded the goals you'd expect him to do. Now, his save percentage is incredibly low because he's had so little protection. But we, again, you know, if, we, if we speak about the diamond, for example, you know, under, under the previous setup with Brown in midfield and the 4-2-3-1, we were giving up 1.3 XG a game. You know, a goalkeeper is going to concede goals, right, if you do that. Uh, under the diamond, we're actually conceding 0.77 XG per game. That's a massive improvement. Mm -hmm. And that's against Lille, and that's against uh, you know the Rangers as well as the you know the, the lower teams in the SPL. So it's, it's a balance of opposition. Um, so to blame it on Barkas, and especially when his confidence is, you know, he's constantly got different people in front of him. He's in the team, he's out the team. Someone else is in, then they're out. Someone plays in the cup final, third choice, and then he's back in again. I mean, that's that's not an environment to breed confidence for someone. You know, you know in a new country and in, in a new team, et cetera. So mm -hmm. I think we need to really lay off him. I said before, give him, to, I would have given him 10 games and say next 10 games are yours. I don't care what you do in those 10 games. You know, you, you, we're, we're going to give you at least that, you know, build the confidence, build the relationships, build the communication because the numbers are decent. The, number, the numbers aren't worrying to me around Barkas. Uh, well, and, and, that, and that, this comes back to on what planet, I mean, I think people have, um, an unreasonable expectation of where Celtics at right now. Yeah. You know, we're, you know, we're not getting a Forster again, you know, that, that, that he's kind of the, 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 this is why I was so adamant about criticizing some of the decisions that were made last season, because we really did have a legit chance to go deep in the Europa league last year because of Forster's presence, which, you know, it's kind of the, the Rogers of goalies, right? We're not going to get a Rogers probably again, as manager you know, it was kind of a unique situation uh you know the likelihood that we're going to get someone of Forster's skill level particularly within the context of the style that Lennon plays right so it's always about fit um it, it's just not that high so I don't know you know it's like you had a one night stand with a supermodel and then you expect that you're going to get married to one you know it, it's not going to happen you know <laughs> that was probably an aberration and I said, I should say me, not you guys, because you guys probably had that happen all the time. Um, so less, less so during lockdown, but <laughs> so yeah. The only thing I would add on the corner is, and it, it speaks to setup again. Um, the other person that was horrible on that, which I haven't heard too many people talk about, 
and it goes back to second balls and luck. So that happened to deflect into the goal, but Morelos was standing there unmarked about three yards off the goal line because Laxalt completely ball watched and left him go. So that's an, another example of second ball. I mean, that's our direct, uh, you know, the XG that we've conceded and the goals we've conceded directly offset pieces has not been all that out of line. It's been second balls. It's been, you know, kind of the chaos that ensues after the, the initial action. That's been a real problem. And that was just the perfect example. So I, I think the, from, from start to finish that, uh, corner kick was emblematic of, you know, uh, the problems between Edward's decision, uh, Laxalt leaving Morales wide open, and then everyone, no, I shouldn't say everyone, a lot of people blaming Barkas. <laughs> it's yeah, like of- he was the least of the problems on on, on that goal. I, I would get, pay good money to find someone who would save that because I don't think anybody really expected it to happen. I, I certainly don't want this question to end up in a discussion around whether or not zonal marking is a bonus, but or if it's a good thing or not a bad thing. But do you guys know what the difference in the XG for zonal marking versus um, man-to-man marking when it comes to corner kicks? I, I, I think it's a red herring. It's like people insist you have to play two strikers up front. Oh, you know, man-to-man mark. It's, it's a very kind of there's a certain set way of thinking that if you if you man to mark, then you can blame somebody when it goes wrong. It's like that's such a weird logic to me. Okay, I think if you again based on you know similar principle to James of doing some research on this, doing some reading, listening to people who know about this sort of thing. What I took away from that is ultimately it comes down to the individuals that you have. Okay, but really, if you wanted to go, if you wanted to establish a basic principle. You need to protect your front post area for corners, absolutely. You probably want your taller players marking their taller players, and then you want everyone else pretty much arranged only. So it's a combination of mark the most effective opposition headers of the ball directly, mark the dangerous spaces where you don't want the ball to be landing, and that combination uh, is, is usually actually the best model. Mm-hmm. But 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 overarching all of that, irrespective of which system you go for you have to be organized and people have to know their jobs and that is the most important thing and it doesn't matter whether it's zonal or man-to-man if you don't know what your job is or you're not clear on instruction you don't have a clear method and approach that everyone believes in and it's got confidence in then you're gonna you're gonna get chaos yeah, yeah. and it's uh, some, something as simple as why was eduard not marking a rebo instead of frimpong I mean, I, I get he's not a defender, but you get back to the, I'm not saying that that's the right decision to make. I'm saying that if you look at physical profile, um, you know, uh, is it a shock? I mean, it's like a lot of the season and, and really the last couple of seasons we've set up with Scott Brown marking strikers or, you know, people faster, more athletic and that can jump higher than him on corners. And yeah, I, but he's, he, but he's, phys- he's physically... He's, he's very good physically. What I mean by that is physical intelligence of how to position his body to mess people up is very good. That's no, I, probably I, why. I, I get that, but again... It, you this don't have where, to be taller to win the header. No, to, no. Just, I, just to disrupt. You just need to disrupt. No, I, I get that. But again, this, yeah. this is where I think uh, uh, there's some benefit to cross-sport an, uh, analogies. Uh, so, you know, set pieces and corners are a lot like basketball. I mean, it really is. You, you think about, because all of these principles are similar in basketball. Do you play zone? Do you play, you know, there's hybrid systems in basketball. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you, you do not want um, someone of Scott Brown's profile marking anyone who's quick. I don't care how physical he is. I mean, it, it, going for a corner is not unlike going for a rebound, Right. So, you know, it, it's just it doesn't make sense athletically to have certain people marking other people. And, and again, I, it could have been partly disorganization. But the, the idea that Frimpong would have a hard time marking a Rebo on a corner is obvious. It's self-evident. Right. I can tell you that from basketball. Right? Having a 5'8 a point guard trying to out rebound uh, a 6'6 six, six, uh you know, he Rebo's not six six, but you, the analogy a six six small forward. It you're setting yourself up for failure, mm-hmm. and, and and so I, you know it, I I see some of these just conceptual things um, that that 
all the time that drive me nuts. Uh, and and this is just the latest example of that. Uh, so when you when you put those all together, you know, you just run down the list of why that was a bad corner kick in defending. Back to the Barcast is like ten, and and um, you know. He his quote unquote mistake was, as you said, was derivative of Edward's action, uh, and he doesn't have Inspector Gadget arms that he could just make them go out fifteen feet to reach that ball. Yeah. Um, so, well, I'm I'm actually quite old school in my thoughts when it comes to corner kicks, but in in terms, of, I I I think a man, if you have another man on the post at the back post, that that goal doesn't happen. You know, you have to litigate for these situations happening. And I, I do think there is a potential to play zonal marking while also having two men on the post. I don't see why it has to be one or the other. But ultimately, and again, this is a point that I want to reiterate when it comes to Barcast as well. This is coming down to coaching and the lack of coaching. And I think that we should be judging these players when we see them properly coached because... At the minute, that doesn't seem to be happening. And all you have to do is look at the difference between Celtic under Ronnie Dyla and look at Celtic under Brennan Rodgers, or even just look at this team compared to the team that played under Brennan Rodgers. That, that Brennan Rodgers team was well coached. They knew what to do. They knew what their role was. And this team doesn't. That's that's what this really all comes down to. Before we get or rather on too long and go on for an hour and a half talking about what and where we went wrong and what happens now. Is there anything you guys want to bring up as a specific talking point or something you want to touch on going forward or what you want to see based on this game? So, so for me, it would, you know, not, not to dis, disband the, the, the diamond shape, you know, I, I, I've, I, 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 my practical use of the diamond, I, admittedly, is not in elite sport. It's more been in, in um, kids' football, where, where I've, I've used it in a number of scenarios to solve a number of problems, all of which I think are pertinent to where Celtic were prior to, prior to switching. In, in one example, a team with, 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 with no wingers, I think Celtic are very limited in that regard at the moment. Another scenario is where um, we had very creative players that were that were being wasted. They weren't getting on the ball enough, and putting them to, into a diamond allowed better connectivity, better spacing, and, and they got on the ball more. And then a third scenario, and these are all resonate, I think, with Celtic, was where a team was actually struggling. A team had been promoted into a new league, and suddenly there were, the players were playing at a lot higher level than what some of them were used to. And the, we actually used the diamond to to get the best players through the spine of the team, and it just strengthened the whole team and just gave the team confidence. Um, I think all of those are, I think, as I've said before, in terms of if you just look at the expected goals conceded, um, we've stopped the bleeding, I think, defensively by shifting to this formation. That's the you know we're giving up six shots a game, which previously it was over eight. The opposition are getting just over eight touches in the box a game, and previously it was twelve. And the the opposition now getting two passes into the danger zone, when previously it was four. So I think we've stopped the bleeding. So I, I would say we continue uh, with that formation, and also we've, we've actually we've completely um, revolutionised, I would say, McGregor by playing in this system. You've completely freed him up to be the player that he's supposed to be. His ex expected assists is up. The number of key passes is up. His overall scoring contribution is up. And, and the number of challenges is, is actually that he's making is up, believe it or not. So he's just far more involved in the game, far more influential. And then obviously, you know, Sorrow Brown um, is probably a longer conversation in terms of that comparison. The, the, the comparison isn't as stark as maybe James might might think in terms of actually Sorrow's percentage numbers are lower than Brown's, but his volume of activity, the number of possessions that he wins back, he doesn't get bypassed as many times in midfield, and he, and he makes more forward passes and he carries the ball forward more. You just get more from him, and you just see the way he passes. Just one thing on Sorrow that I'll, I'll just touch on. All season, full season, right? Brown has passed to a striker that's that's taken someone out of the game and, pa- and passed the ball forward to a striker fourteen times all season. You know, Sorrow did that nine times in one game, one one of, one of the matches, right? So he, get, he he and because of the shape of the team, you know, the diamond allows you to get not just more creative players on the pitch, but they're physically located close to each other. So you get those triangles, you get the movement. Yeah, and you've got, as I said, you've got four players there: Edward, Christie, McGregor, Turnbull, who are really have have got number ten sensibilities. 
They know how to find space. They know how to move. Turnbull appears on the right, appears on the left, what have you. My, 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 my other takeaway is, because Turnbull's numbers are quite impressive in many respects, he's got the highest expected goals of any of the midfielders, number of key passes, expected assists, expected secondary assists. You know, um, what, what, what was he doing in training? What was Sorrow doing in training? Those players have transformed this side, helped by the shape. And you have to give Lennon for, credit for that. You know, he has made this change and he stuck to, stuck to it. We all thought Brown might be in for the Derby game and he wasn't. He, he, I think he, he, he made a mistake and his sentimental thinking in the cup final nearly cost Celtic that cup, actually. If he'd stuck to that diamond, I'm sure we'd have blown hearts away. The movement and the speed at which Celtic moved the ball forward an interchange against that very pedestrian, one-paced Hearts team would have been devastating, I think. But anyway, um, so my main takeaway going forward is we have to persist with it. Yeah, I, I think um, what's so such a gut punch uh, about um, the weekend is I think if had we won that game, I think it was game on for the for the title. Because I, I am optimistic, like Alan, I think that, you know, I, I don't think that the diamond is some magic uh, solution. Generally, you know, it's not a silver bullet for the game of football. No, no, it is. Uh, um, I, I, but I, I do think that, as Alan said, I've I've actually been advocating it since uh, when we went three five two last season in in January. I thought the diamond was the um, was, was the way to go and because of the, the alignment relative to our personnel. And, um, so I think, um, there's a decent chance that we do go on a run here and a lot of the same factors that I've been hammering on as to why Rangers were going to be a very difficult title challenge this season, i.e. one of them is that the rest of the league is terrible. I mean, uh, I mean, how many times do we have to watch Hibs play terrible against a bad team? <laughs> to, because, to, because, because, they, because they've all cut their cloth. Because of the current financial situation, uh, exactly. All, all except one team have done this. Yeah, it, it, exactly. So I, I don't, I don't blame those teams, but it's just the reality that it the is. gap in quality is wider than usual. We're now playing our best players, or you know, for the most part, our best players, a lot closer to sensible roles that optimize their talents. Um, so had we won on the weekend, I think it would have been game on. I think now we're into a really tough spot where, um, uh, they're clearly going to retain Lennon. Uh, so what do we do now? Right. So this is, again, part of my criticism going back to the end of the, the window in October when keeping all of these players is that we've now got a gun to our head. We've got these four huge assets that are now 18 months away from their contract being done. And uh, our Edouard just changed his agent to somebody who's more likely to look to push a move. And the sensible business decision at this point, in my opinion, is for, for Celtic to clean house, to sell every valuable player asset that isn't bolted down because the probabilities now, it's not zero, but the likelihood of us winning 19 games straight and Rangers dropping what they need to drop uh, which is five points, it's just not a high likelihood. And even even with the diamond, even with playing the players in the roles they are, uh, you know, any adversity, this, this is to me the big takeaway from the weekend, as much as I, I, and I did, I, I took a lot of, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, I've been one of the, probably the most critical people of Lennon this season. Uh, and I turn around and say, hey, he gets credit for, you know, making the switches. And then I get hammered for <laughs> at social media. Then I get hammered for being too nice to Lennon. Uh, to Lennon. Um, so he does get credit, I think, should get credit for going to the diamond. But what the weekend proved is, you know, I, I don't know how much of that was well thought out and how much of it was uh, just, hey, we're going to try something again, try something new. And that it was going to work. And now it's like, okay, if to add uh, 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 difficult circumstances in a close game against at Livingston, right? If we're 70 minutes in against Livingston and we've been dominating play, I, I you know, I, p the yellow card certainly played a factor, but the decision to bring Brown on in that circumstance to replace Soro to drive, quote unquote, drive the team on to win against Livingston, that's the kind of decision making 
that we run the risk of for the rest of the season. And we, we, we don't have a margin now where we can make bad decisions in any game that uh, increases our chances of dropping points. And, and, so, there, and, there, and James, there are risks, as you said, in terms of events that can happen with a diamond that we've got to accept the risk, right? And actually, and actually the, the, key, the key example of that was the Dundee United game, okay? Dundee United game, just after halftime, Again, because the defence was a little bit stretched, you know, we're playing forward, the fullbacks are out of position. A long ball, two passes, two passes, get the ball to McNulty. McNulty runs through yep. and Julian smacks his knee off the post. And I think you could argue our season ended there. Well, Cause, and that's because he's actually our best. And that is one of the systemic weaknesses of that system is that that and, and that pass actually resulted in Bitton being sent off as well. And, yep. and so that, and that could happen in any game going forward away to Livingston or, or wherever. Yeah, agreed, and and that's so you're right. I was that was the other thing I was going to bring up with with Julian, pretty much done for the, for the season now. So what does the board do? Do do they sell some of these players? Because if we go into the summer with three or four of these players within a year, if I'm one of those players, I mean the the, the negotiating leverage that Celtic have at that point goes way down, uh, and then. Uh, not only with the player, but also the potential buying club. Um, and then we're, we're absorbing the risk of where the transfer market is going to be. And this is the, uh, I think, you know, one of the things that I haven't seen too many people talk about relative to uh, this, this past transfer window is I think, you know, you, people get conditioned and we've been in an environment for all of Peter Lawwell's career where tran- player values only go up. Right. An inflationary transfer market. And in the last year, the market has softened. Right. This is a market and prices have softened. So if you go into the market saying, I want 40 million, whatever he did, I who knows, but there was some reporting, you know, 40 million for Edward, 45 for Edward, into a softening market. Guess what happened? You, ne- you end up not selling people. Uh, and that's a deflationary spiral, they call it, right? Where you keep hoping that you're going to get a price because you've anchored your expectations in a market that doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So I see all of these risks that are, you know, kind of formulating here. Uh, and I think what the board's assuming is that we're just going to be able to get $60 million for these guys in the summer. I, I'm worried about this, that we're just going to be able to get $60 million for these guys in the summer. That's going to cover all of the gap that we have financially for this season that we bulked up to spend. Uh, and we've you know, basically drained all of our cash reserves now. And they might even eat into the $13 million line of credit before the end of the season if they don't sell anyone in January. So, again, you're talking about risk, risk, risk. And with this nonsense that's, that's going on with Dubai, this way the season has happened, season tickets don't come in the way they hope, retaining Lennon for the rest of the year, things maybe not going great for the rest of the season potentially – you know, there, this is a mix here where we get into deci- more decision making that uh, creates risk. Put, and put, put, put your money on the centre back pairing for the first European qualifier next season uh, being bit on in Welsh. Put your money on it. Uh, yeah, I, or you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> it, 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 it it's crazy. Uh, so even if they do bring in a new manager in May or early June or whatever it is, you're exactly right, Alan. I mean, we, we what what's the turnover going to be? I mean, we'll get to this in future shows, but um, the amount of overhaul that has to take place here and to think it's going to all happen in six weeks in the middle of the Euro tournament, um, you know, it, it's it's amazing. So, but the, I think they're flying by the seat of their pants. I, you know, I think they were trying to get to the end of ten in a row, and they were going to do a lot of restructuring and overhauling things at that point. And this has just blown all of their plans up, and they panicked. They're they're panicking as much as Lennon is panicked. Mm-hmm. To be fair, to be fair, panicking would have been getting rid of Lennon. It actually, uh, you've got you've got, you've got to admit, you've got to admit, if they genuinely believe, if they genuinely believe the least disruptive option, and there was no better option available, was to keep Lennon. I, I'm not saying I agree with that, but you yeah, have to know nah. that's a ballsy call. See, I actually disagree. I, but most yeah. people, when they panic, revert to type. Mm. So when 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 people go under high stress, they revert. No, but to most boards, most type. boards would sack the manager. But that's yeah. not the that's, Celtic that's the board. E- no, that's the easy right. thing to do, right? I, I get that, but that's not yeah, the Celtic yeah. board. The DNA yeah, of the no, Celtic board is triple down, 
you know, we've, we've seen what Thurman Desmond, when this, it's, you know, double down, triple down, and, and it's, it's uh, going back to what your culture is, what your type is, and, and confirmation bias. Um, so I, I, I act, they panicked by keeping Lennon. That, that, which is the, you know, that's how we, we, from the outside world, when people go into cognitive dissonance and confirmation bias, people outside go, what the hell are you doing? How can you not see this? Mm-hmm. Right. It was because they're, they're triggered. Like they, they literally think that this is the best way to go because the panic has triggered this path and they're reverting to what they know. Um, they think they know. So I, I yeah, it, 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 it's uh, so that's why we get into what are the probabilities that we're going to win the league here um, and, you know, whether or not assuming that financial risk of keeping those players or a large number of those players for the rest of the season. So we'll, uh, we'll have a much better sense by the end of this month, I think, and what they decide to do. Uh, I think the prudent thing to do at this point is to clean house. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's not a good, you know, I, but I agree with you. I think it'll do nothing. Yeah. I didn't want, we didn't want to get here, but again, that's, they haven't made prudent decisions the whole season for the most part. Um, yeah, I think, I think we will do nothing. And by the looks of what's leaking out in the sun, that's what's exactly what is going to happen over the next couple of months. But I think we should return to that. I think we'll, we'll look at the recruitment and maybe the potential managers and what, is going to happen after this season because I think that's worrying financially and also on the, on the football pitch as well. So we'll, we'll return to that next week, but we are out of time this week. We've, I think this is our longest podcast ever, but I think it deserved it after being 19 points behind and uh, losing to Rangers on the 3rd of January. So, yeah, we'll return to all that, but we also do have some exciting news coming up about the Huddle Breakdown. That's going to be coming out on social media over the next couple of days, so stay tuned for that. And if you want to listen back to all our podcasts, as always, they are available on Spotify, iTunes, Spreaker, and on the OTB Podcast Network as well. So you can check them out there or on the YouTube channel as well. Be sure to subscribe and to leave a review as well. Bad or good, but return to us anyway. That's all we have time for. James and Alan, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, guys.
Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. When I hear something amazing, oh, and feel free to tell your friends too. So, Kohl's, they're having a huge sale on summer stuff. And if you live for sunny days like I do, you need to check it out. I got 40% off a new patio set, Food Network grilling essentials for 20% off, and 50% off those yard games my kids won't stop talking about. Best part? I got an extra $10 off and some Kohl's cash. It almost makes being cooped up all winter worth it. Almost. Select styles 10 off 25 offer valid May 27th through 31st. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.